The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells and with me today, as always, are Maureen O'Connor, New York sex columnist, and Allison Davis of The Cut. Hey guys. Hey. Hey David. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the world's first successful penis transplant, which happened in South Africa in December, but just made news last month since doctors wanted to make sure everything worked out. Apparently, there have been a couple unsuccessful transplants in the past. And then we're also going to be talking about the sexual, supernatural horror movie It Follows, which is directed by David Robert Mitchell, in which the thing that haunts the characters is passed on by sexual contact. All right, let's talk about the world's first successful penis transplant. Allison, I think you're the most prolific contributor to the cut's semi-regular dong watch. And I know you've been following this story really closely, and you interviewed the doctor who did the surgery a couple days ago. Before we start talking about him and your interview, could you tell us a little bit more about the surgery itself, how the guy came to need it and what it involves and all that? Sure. Um, So the guy is a 21-year-old South African who I guess is pretty common in the region, um, underwent a traditional circumcision that went really wrong. So he was left with the stump of a penis his whole life. Um, And a doctor in um, the urology department at Stellenbosch Hospital has seen so many cases of young men coming in with the same issue and thought there has to be something we can do for them. So Dr. Andre Vandermeer started this pilot program in 2010 and would sign people up. He has a waiting list of about 10 people, and they finally got funding to do the very first surgery on this young man. Where did the money come from? Um, Private funding and, yeah, lots of begging the hospital to divert funds towards him. And is this like the only place in the world where you can get this doctor in this facility, yeah, get a penis know. transplant? This is the only guy in the in the penis transplant game. <laughs> <laughs> they tried before though, right? Yeah, they tried in 2006 in China, but it wasn't successful. This is the second time they've ever attempted it besides a few cadaver labs in South Africa. But in 2006, they successfully transplanted the penis, but the psychological weight was too much for the patient. They had to remove it. So he like asked he asked to have it removed after two weeks? After two weeks. You mentioned it was it was both him and his wife who asked to get... Do you know which of them had more of an objection to, like, the new... Uh, he did, but he his did. wife was on board with the removal. Well, I suppose anything that's, like, a little bit um, uncanny or creepy feeling causing in regular life just becomes amplified when it's sexual, right? That like every little hang up of like, if you're going to be a little freaked out by having somebody else's eyes, you're going to be really freaked out having his penis, right? I would think so. But I mean, at the same time, isn't it better to have a working sex (laughs) organ than, you know, I don't know. None at all. Apparently not for one man. I guess we'll see what happens with the South African guy. Right. Well, so far, so good. Um, Yeah, Yeah, you Um, said he's already boning, right? Yeah. So actually, it's funny. (laughs) The doctor is like so worried about this. Um, he, He kind of thought that it would take years for this kind of regular sexual activity to take place. But the young man was like, no, I'm ready to go. I have a girlfriend. Like, things are working. So he did it. And the doctor said he was like, waiting so anxiously to hear reports of how it went because he was afraid of something like a blood vessel bursting or an aneurysm or a clot or any sort of thing that could have happened during sex. It's like high-risk sex. Right. Um, but everything <laughs> is going fine. So That's amazing. Can you imagine the stress of like... Just imagine, like, being the girlfriend and, like... Yeah, being in a relationship and then seeing... What do you do in that moment? The, yeah, like, your... Is it boyfriend or husband or whatever? Boyfriend. Yeah, who's, like... And it's, like, him, but it's he's got a different 
dick. Well, like, you want to have a good time, but you must be so worried about, like, something going wrong and hurting him. Well, or... she definitely can't be on top. That was, like, the one oh, really? very clear instruction that because of the, the pressure, like, oh. he had to be... Is that going to change over time if it, like... Yeah, if, if it all goes well and the body doesn't reject it and it gets a little bit more, like, more attached, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> they can mix it up, but they'll always have to be kind of conservative in their sex moves. And we do we know where this penis came from? Like, whose penis it used to be? Yeah. Um, they wouldn't give me any details about the donor, but because it's a urology department, so they're always, you know, harvesting bodies for kidneys, they get a lot of people who agree to donate everything. So they just took one off a man who died recently. I do know he was biracial, which was only important to know because the patient who received the penis is a darker-skinned African. So there was a color-matching issue. So, so it's a did, different color than the rest they, of the they, well, they tattooed. They tattooed the skin. The, same the way whole they, skin? The, <laughs> <laughs> well, the same way you would get you know, nipples tattooed onto your breast after we right. like a surgery, they did the same for this penis. So putting aside that like this is a horrible, like the guy went through a horrible thing to require a transplant, does he think of this as like an upgrade? Yeah. So um, what I thought was kind of fascinating was that immediately um, after surgery when they were kind of I guess, oh, it, they were removing the staples. The guy was like, oh, I just can't wait to see it. Like, I want to see my, my penis. I want to see it. <laughs> he was so excited and happy, and the doctor was so happy that he immediately took ownership of this, ah. of this thing that, like, it seemed like he really just immediately meshed with his new penis. So he's very happy. Just Good. doing very well. And then do we think that this is, like, pointing to a future in which people are doing this electively? I asked the doctor that, and... um I don't know, because, like, A, it seems like such a traumatic surgery. Like, the kid has to take a pill every day for the rest of his life and is living right. in constant fear that his body will be, like, rejecting the penis one day and he'll have to get it removed. So I don't know if it's worth it for anyone to say, like, I just don't like my penis and want an upgrade. I, I don't think any doctor would sign up for that, but I also don't know who would sign up for that. Maybe if there was, like, a penis you particularly wanted, like... You are picking one off the shelf. That yeah, you're... <laughs> that you're like, I've always wanted this, like famous person's penis and he just died I'm gonna buy it I just came up with like oh, a God. horrible sci-fi premise yeah well, I mean you I think, watched you know, that movie but <laughs> people get breast implants for their yeah. boyfriends or husbands all the time like that's you know, true theoretically Maureen you could be picking out a dick off a shelf for a dude you yeah know? I could or I could be like my last boyfriend will sell you his penis <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I really like his me. penis <laughs> everything is perfect about it. you except your dick but my ex is like yeah <laughs> He's well, I think the... that some, I mean, some version of these things cosmetically happen, right? That people can get elective circumcisions. Right. They can get, you know, a variety of cosmetic procedures. It's strange because at once I think it sounded like Dr. Dick was simultaneously, people are fascinated by the surgery because of what it is and because of sort of the titillation factor. But on the other hand, people didn't take it seriously at first either. That that people sort of assume it's a joke or, you know, why would you waste so many resources on that when I don't think we'd necessarily question, say, a face transplant or any other body part that if it was damaged or injured, of course, you're going to find a way to deal with that. Yeah, he did say there was a lot of resistance within the transplant community for that very reason that there seemed, seemed like frivolous. worthier research. But he was like, the men on this list are committing suicide because they don't have penises and they don't feel like men and they don't feel normal. And like, you know, they're embarrassed to go to the gym and take a shower in front of people. So, but you're right. It's just like, even in saying that, is it as important as somebody who's like having kidney failure? You know, 
I don't. Well, well I you don't know. have to choose. That's it's true. Like you don't use a dick to fix kidney failure. It's <laughs> a very good point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But Allison, you've also written about like the future, the lab-grown penis future in the past, right? Yeah. And also lab-grown vaginas. Yes, equally as fascinating. There was already a successful lab-grown vagina. I guess not even transplant, but transplant. They've put a working one into a girl, and it, it's all good. That happened last April, which actually got a lot less attention than this penis transplant surgery, just going with our fascination about penises. Um, but currently at Wake Forest, they are growing penises in Petri dishes. In a farm. Um, in a farm. Penis farm. <laughs> penis farm. The utopia. <laughs> um, no, but they, and they've successfully implanted them into rabbits, um, but it's really, really far off from FDA approval and from being able to be tested on humans. So right now the... Kid, it's working on the rabbits. It's working on the rabbits. They are fucking like rabbits. And is this yeah. the same idea? It's like for people who have had some, they're like deformed in some way or gone through some, or is it like an insane mad scientist who's just obsessed with growing... <laughs> penises and yeah. petri dishes. Um, no, it is for the same, like, you know, diseases or penis cancer or injury or in some cases, I think they said even severe erectile dysfunction disorder, would they, a person would be a candidate if they've never had a working dick that they could get a lab-grown penis implanted. But it's a really long way off from ever being on a person. Why was the vagina easier and quicker? I think uh, it's less internal. I think there's like a sca- there was a, sc- a scaffolding um, yeah. Just grimace <laughs> just, just saying that. It just sounds so <laughs> horrible to like think of a... Anyway, um, it, <laughs> it was just easier, I think, in terms of growing it and implanting it. There's a lot of... Uh, also probably emotionally. I mean, maybe I'm being chauvinistic in saying it, but I could sort of imagine that a lot of the psychic difficulties you're talking about, about, you know, with a penis transplant wouldn't be as problematic since it's like, I don't know, not an appendage. It's not something you see as like an other... Is that, that maybe? I was thinking that, like, if a dick's an appendage, like an external thing, would it be less traumatic just to attach something as opposed to, like. (laughs) (laughs) But on the other hand, you don't look at it all the time, you know? To, like, look down at your body and see something that you think of as perhaps not yours, I would imagine. A little weird. has, has, Has more of a weird effect than, like,. I never have to look at my vagina if I don't want to. Right. I can't look at my vagina even if I try, you know? It's difficult. So we've been talking about the world's first successful penis transplant. And um, you can read Allison's interview with the doctor who performed it on The Cut. And now let's move on to our second topic, which is the movie It Follows. There's a long history of weird sexual politics in horror movies where typically death is a punishment for promiscuity and the virginal high school students end up surviving. Um, But this movie seems to handle it in a sort of different way. Now, I haven't seen this movie, but both of you guys saw it, I think, together, right? Yep, yep. Um, So, Maureen, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what happens and actually how sex is connected to the horror of the movie? Uh, So the premise is that there is a teenage girl who's in high school, and she has sex with an older guy. And as soon as she does, he reveals to her that he has sort of transmitted this demon to her by having sex with her. And this monster is going to come in the form of various zombies. It's shape-shifting. It could be anyone. But it will follow her around and try to kill her. Until she has sex with somebody else, the monster will then start following that person next. If the monster kills somebody, it reverts to whoever was like previously on the line. So it's sort of like this sort of chain letter of, of sex monster. And so... 
bizarrely, even though she's like a radically hot blonde movie star, for some reason she doesn't immediately go fuck someone else, but she just sort of deals with whether or not it's going to come. Her friends like help her out and they try to figure out if there's a way to kill the demon. She, you know, if she should have sex with somebody, what she should do to get rid of it as it it follows her around. And what does she decide? Well, one of the most tragic parts of the movie is that she has this friend who's this like sad virgin boy who's desperately in love with her. And he is so desperate to lose his virginity to her that he's like, I'll take your monster, girl. Have sex with me. I will take the monster. (laughs) So he does it knowingly. And she tries to hold off because she's like, I don't want to do that to you. Which then raises the question to me, to have sex with your ultimate dream hottie, would you accept a horrible zombie monster following you? Allison, what do you think the answer is? Uh, I'm thinking hard about this one. <laughs> How if I was a virgin? But then you can get rid of it just by having sex with another person. Yeah, it's that's not, true. But, and then there's next like a reason to just have. But lots if that of person sex. dies, it could come back to you. You're always going to be looking over your shoulder. It's sort of a parable about like herpes or something, right? <laughs> that you're like maybe it's going to flare up. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I, I've thought about it, and yes, I would take on the sex monster if it meant <laughs> like, in my dream hottie, the person that I've wanted to have sex with my whole life. Yeah, totally. And then just like pass pass the buck really fast. Yes, yeah. Just line someone up right after. But you would never you would never choose to live with it, right? That would you of course just be strategizing how how and in what way to pass it along. Yeah, I would because it's so creepy. Yeah. After we saw this as like a person like a single woman living in New York, I'm afraid of being followed just when I don't have a sex monster following me. Right. I'm afraid that all men are sex monsters who are going to follow me. (laughs) <laughs> obviously are. <laughs> um, I, I did think it was interesting, and at least in, normally when you lose your virginity or when you're having sex in a horror film, the stakes are so high. And weirdly, all the sex scenes in this movie were very like low-key, and she just was like, it's not a big deal. We're just going to really quickly have sex. And it was all about like the monster, right? Yeah. The sex itself wasn't high stakes. It was the monster that was. It was the sort of the baggage afterwards. Exactly. And unlike in other horror movies, you're rooting for her to have sex. You're not rooting against her to have sex, right? right? Yeah. No, the whole time you're just like, why just do hasn't it. she done it yet? Yeah, do what, it. Are, what are these ethical hang-ups you have? Like, just pass it on. Yeah, which is great. I mean, to have the final girl is the girl who sleeps around yeah. instead of Slutty the one the virgin, which is kind of great. Although the sexual politics are strange because you only catch it by having sex with someone, too. So it's sort of like once you've popped your once sex you're a fallen woman. Cherry, yeah. once you're a fallen woman, you need to keep going. But I'm sort of not against that. No, I guess not. But not just so. Um, but they, it's strangely that it sounds like it would be the trashiest movie in the world. And it is fairly trashy. But they actually don't. You think that it's going to just be like a million scenes of her slutting it up. But um, actually, it's pretty demure about the sex scenes. You don't really like the sex scenes aren't really on camera, at least not much. The one time that she goes and like has sex with strangers, you don't see it, you know. No, but we're not even sure she had sex with with the strangers. I guess that's true. There was a scene where she was deciding whether or not to inflict the monster on, on like, three innocent guys who were hanging out on a boat. And it's unclear whether or not she did give them the ST demon (laughs) (laughs) or if she saved it for people she knew and cared about. But that raises a technical question, which is if you have sex with multiple people at once, do you give the demon to multiple people at once or you just... That's a great question. It was unclear to me the moment of transmission. Yeah. And like if group sex means that now you've just infected a whole, a whole lot community. of people, which is yeah. really terrible. You're the typhoid Mary of the sex demons. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of ethical questions raised by this movie. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but I'm standing I'm standing by my decision. I would pass it on. Absolutely. And Maureen, you're like totally there too, right? I think I would. No, I would not accept the demon, actually. I really think if like... 
Well, what do you mean accept man, the demon? Well, if like, the hot, if like Ryan Felipe was like, Maureen, we can have sex, but you're going to get this demon. I think I would say no because it's too scary. Time out. That's your dream hottie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Name comes to mind. Right. Yeah, maybe. Right. Yeah, sure. But but if you had it, would you pass it on? Oh, yeah, I would pass it on in a second. I can't have a monster following me. It's terrifying. Right. Does this monster actually prey on you, or is he just hanging out with you, like, in the backseat of the car? It tries to have sex with you and kill you that way. Oh. Yeah. And on top of that, even if it wasn't going to kill you, it is, like, a creepy, scary zombie that follows you everywhere and terrifies you. I don't think I could live with that even if it wasn't going to kill me. I right. frighten really easily. I startle <laughs> easily. <laughs> And did you take it, Allison, you probably, I assume you've seen some of these older movies that we're sort of referring to. Did you take this movie as like a conscious, like rebuke to like the 80s horror movie and the sexual politics of the 80s horror movie? Or do you think it was just like all in good fun? Um, I think there was some um, intent to play with it and subvert it. I watched a little New York Times clip where the director was discussing the first scene when a young girl runs out of the house and she's being pursued by the monster. And we can't see it, but we assume she's being pursued by this monster. And she's in you know, like slutty sleepwear and red heels. And he was like, that was me making fun of the trope of the girl always being, you know, pursued by a killer in a nice suburban neighborhood dressed in her like sluttiest night gear and heels and not really being able to run away. So right away. I was like, kick the heels off, Right, girl. just what run you barefoot. Doing? Get in the car. So immediately it was set up that we we're supposed to be thinking about those tropes. Right. And I don't know. I honestly don't know if it it paid off for me in the end, the whole subversion of the final girl, because sex was a punishment for someone anyway. But it was interesting that he tried. All right, so we've been talking about It Follows, which is this um, uh, horror movie that's, I think, in wide release now. It's opened at Cannes and had some fuss about it then. And They've been adding um, new uh, cities and movie theaters and whatnot for it. So it's blowing it's up. Sort of really. like, yeah, it's starting to blow up from its tininess. Um, and I'm sure you can read about that somewhere on our website. Probably David Edelstein <laughs> will have a review or something. And that's it for Sex Slides. Our producer is Laura Mayer, and special thanks also to Andy Bowers at Panoply. For Allison Davis and Maureen O'Connor, I'm David Wallace-Wells, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. 